This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, listen, if you're a business owner, you do not need us to tell you that running a business is tough, more so now than ever before. But you might be making it tougher on yourself than you need to. Don't let QuickBooks and spreadsheets slow you down anymore. It is time to upgrade. Time to upgrade to NetSuite. Listen, you need to stop paying for multiple systems that do not give you the information that you need when you need it. Ditch the spreadsheets and the old software that you've already outgrown. Now is the time to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. It is the world's number one cloud business system. NetSuite gives you visibility and control over your financials, HR, inventory, e-commerce, and more. Everything you need, and it's all in one place instantaneously. So whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in revenue, save time and save money with NetSuite. Join the over 21,000 companies that are using NetSuite right now. Let NetSuite show you how they'll benefit your business with a free product tour at netsuite.com slash Rome. Schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com slash Rome. Once again, that's netsuite.com slash Rome. I mean, all, incredible leader. Um, I got to say, like, this this story will, will probably sum it up. And he said, Hunter, I grabbed the baseball I write F you on it and I throw it through the hitter's soul. Every time. Hey, what's cracking? Hope all is well. Hope all is outstanding. And thank you so much for swinging by the side hustle and mixing in the Jim Rome podcast into your listening routine this week. My guest is a two-time World Series champion, a four-time All-Star, a batting stance legend. He is the newly retired Hunter Pence, and what a perfect dude to break it all down with right now. We will get into his brilliant 14-year career and get his takes on the wild COVID season in baseball and his thoughts on which of the eight teams left have an edge in the postseason In fact, let's not waste another second. Let's get right into it right now. Episode 146 with Hunter Pence coming right at you. Hunter, listen, first of all, it's so good to get caught up with you, and I'm so glad you and I can sit and do this podcast. Before we talk about your recent retirement and your career and your future, let me first ask, how are you and Lexi and those close to you doing during this most unusual and challenging time? Hey, Jim. It's great to be on the show, and thanks for asking. Lexi is doing wonderful. We have, uh, we've been doing just fine, uh, staying quarantined. You know, I did kind of half of the season before I got released, but um, fortunately we've had no issues with the family, and we've been uh, safe and, and trying to stay, stay as safe as possible, and everything's been good. Good, good to hear that. Now, Hunter, you and I, before we started, we uh, started talking about something very briefly, and I said, I want you to save this for the show itself. You were listening to my daily radio program back in the day, and you heard something that stayed with you, that resonated with you. Can you share that story with me off the top? Yes, I knew when I heard that I got the opportunity to talk to you at the end of my career to, to have this interview, Jim, I had to thank you. 
And about eight years ago, I wouldn't be sitting here today if it wasn't for listening to your show. Uh, I heard an interview. You were talking to Arian Foster, and I was playing with the Astros in Houston at the time, and he led the league in rushing. And you asked him a question. You said, were you surprised that you led the league in rushing? And Arian Foster said, no, I intended to do it. I read this book, Think and Grow Rich, and uh, I intended to do it, and I did it. And while reading, listening to that show, I decided to read that book, and it changed my life for the rest of my life. It changed the course of history, and I 100% credit listening to the show and that little tip from Marion Foster. And I just wanted to say thank you for your hard work, your diligence, and you promoted that book as well. So uh, thank you for that, and I'm glad that I get this opportunity to share that story with everyone. All right, so Hunter, that, that is an amazing story. Given the career that you've had and the fact that that resonated with you at that time, if you don't mind, since you bring that up, I'm thinking about that. I want to play this back for people who know. So this is what you heard at that time. Let me flash back really quickly. This is Arian Foster talking about that Napoleon Hill epic. I was reading a book um, this offseason called uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. You bet. And yeah, it's a great book. I recommend it to anybody who reads. But that's one of the things he talked about is um, he studied millionaires for, for some odd years. And that's one of the things he said was everybody that he studied, it was it was all or nothing. You know, they, they said, you know, what, I'm going after this. You know, I'm, I'm going to die trying, honestly. And, and I, I feel like that's how everybody needs to live their life. I think, you know, I, Will Smith had a great quote. He said, um, he said, I don't have a plan B because it distracts from plan A. And, uh, you know, I really, I really believe that, man. You know, I, I came to Houston as an undrafted free agent. I brought all the clothes I had in, in, into a hotel, and I told my mom I'm not coming home. Um, I, part, part of her probably thought I was crazy, but, you know, everything seemed to work out. Dude, burn the boats, Hunter. Like, that was 2011, and that book that you and I are talking about that Arian Foster mentioned, I read that in college. And if you're saying to me that you and I might not be having this conversation right now had you not read that book, I'm saying to you, you and I might not be having this conversation right now had I not read that book when I was in college. Yeah, and I got chills listening to that story because it just inspires me and it reminds me of like going through that first read of that book and the fuel and the passion and the and, and what it teaches you. Um, you know, almost everyone, uh, all of the, the crazy journey from then to now, uh, the highest successful people I've, I've met, many of them have read that book and give a lot of credit to it. So uh, definitely highly recommend that to anyone listening right now that's on that path that's like, maybe I go for my dream, maybe I don't. Um, this will give you that, that little over-the-hump power to, to, like, I love that he just took all of his clothes, got in a hotel room, was like, I'm not coming home. Like, this is it. Yeah, I love that story. I love that it had that impact on you, and I also love him resetting this notion of, hey, I don't have plan B. Plan B is going to take away from plan A, so I'm worried about plan A. Like, Hunter, already I can tell, you know, you and I are getting caught up, but you've always had this kind of energy and this optimism and this perspective, and you're just, you're generally really upbeat, and you understand this notion of journey. Here's my question. I mean, has it always been that way? Did you kind of pop out like that? Were you hardwired for that, or did you learn that and develop that? You know, it was, it's a combination. It's more developed than, learn, than like just being that way. Um, I think I just had the passion that I was willing to read, study, look. Like I didn't care what I had to eat. I didn't care what it tasted like. I didn't care where I had to sleep. I didn't care how dirty I got. I didn't care if I didn't have money to wash my clothes. I didn't care about anything. It was like I'm doing everything I can to play as long as I can, and the only thing I want to do is win championships. Like That was my only driving force. I didn't care – uh, money didn't matter, like nothing. It was like, I'm here to win. This is what I love to do. I'm here to master my craft. And, and that's what it was about. And I think when you really hit that, that balance point where it's like 100% pure focus, there is no plan B, there's no distractions, the, the limits are, are they're broken. 
All right. So then all of that said, a few weeks back when you announced your retirement, I'm curious how that went, because every athlete I know wants to go out on their own terms, but very few actually get to. What was it like for you? I mean, did they have to rip that jersey off your back or were you at peace with it? You know, um, I'm I'm definitely sad that I, I did get released and, and that's the way that it ends. But it it didn't it didn't really like I knew it was time because this was the first year like I couldn't lift weights. Um, it was the first year like I couldn't run like like usually I can hit a grounder and I can beat it out or, or it's going to be a tough play. I can make it tough on you. But, um, you know, 14 years, like my goal was to like, I'm, I'm not the best player in the world, but I'm all heart and I'm going to go as hard as I can. And like when your body just does that for 14 years, eventually, you know, with, with time, it, it catches up to all of us. And it just, I couldn't go as hard as I, I wanted to. So I'm very thankful for, you know, how the whole story went with the Rangers going to the Dominican Republic, getting to experience that whole thing. And I had this tremendous year last year and, um, you know, at a certain point, just going and going and going, it, it, it was like I, I, I didn't ever want to stop. And finally, my body just said, Hunter, it's time to rest. It's time to move on and to find a new plan A. Okay, see now, like any great athlete, you have to listen to your body. But let me ask you this. It was such a weird year for everybody and so unusual for so many reasons. But let me ask you, like, how did you feel in spring training? How did you feel in summer camp? How were things going at that point? You know what's wild is actually I was uh, – so I didn't get even – run before spring training so i had to like really slow play it in to spring training but um my hip had like freed up and i was actually feeling really good in spring training and then when the thing when everything stopped uh i was doing all my training like the day the the season could start tomorrow and two times throughout like training during during the covid quarantine I like just in the backyard hitting wiffle balls and whatever the case may be, whatever trainings I could come up with. I, I re injured my, my hip and had to try to like Humpty Dumpty it back together again. And we were trying different things, but um, yeah, it just kind of fell off a little bit there. And when we came back, uh, I got it strong again right before and then injured the foot. Like, so just everything was just falling apart. It was, it was really tough, but like as, as an athlete, you just keep going, you just keep going. And, um, it just didn't wasn't able to, to to follow through this year. I see you working. Listen, I'm going to ask you about the Giants, but because you mentioned the Dominican, let me jump all the way ahead to that. Like, for instance, it seemed like the journey, the baseball journey, may have seemed like it was coming to an end in 2018, the first time things ended with the Giants, but you went to the Dominican, you reworked your swing, you rejuvenated your entire career. What did that involve, and what was that process and that experience down there like? Man, it was absolutely incredible. And my, my whole plan, because I didn't play that much in 2018 and I was fresh and healthy and strong, is I'm going straight into just, just learning this new swing technique. And I'm so glad I did it, not only for the great year that I had in 2019, uh, but I'm glad for the knowledge that I gained and the mastery of hitting that I learned because it's a whole different uh, thought process than I grew up learning, which is like swing down on the ball, down and inside the baseball and this whole new swing plane thing is it, it all makes it's, it's a lot more physics. Like the physics behind it is way stronger, way more powerful with way less effort. And I just spent like an hour and a half every day working with this guy, Doug Lotta in LA. Uh, I did that for a month and a half, went to Dominican Republic. And that was a whole perspective, spiritual change in and of itself. Um, it's just a, a different lens to see the world in and, and the DR these, the people over there, like baseball is practically religion. They, the second you wake up and eat breakfast, everyone's talking about the game. Everyone's listening to talk radio. It's all they eat, sleep, drink, think. And they also have so much joy and so much happiness with so much less. So there was just so many lessons, not only 
you know, just human self-mastery lessons, uh, but also the baseball lessons and, like, the great wisdom and, like, understanding their culture. Because I played with so many of these guys for so long, the Dominican, and I didn't know kind of what made them tick. I, I understood that they didn't really ever follow, like, lines. I understood, you know, but I didn't understand the rhythm of their language, the rhythm of why they didn't have lines, the rhythm of how their country worked. And it's just like it made the relationships that I had with everyone from the Dominican Republic so much deeper. And I saw the joy and I understand their love and I understand how much, how much passion they had in the game of baseball and how they looked at it a lot different in America than we do over here, but they both can succeed in their own way. It was really, really cool. As I mentioned, perspective and journey. All right, so in 2012, of course, you were sent to the Giants as part of that deadline deal, and man, what an unbelievable clubhouse that was. Brian Wilson, Barry Zito, Mad Bum, Kung Fu Panda, Tim Lincecum. I mean, holy shit. What was it like to be in that clubhouse with the other 24? I mean, it was electric as I, like, it, the, you wouldn't even believe uh, the world that we were living in. These were some of the greatest minds, some of the greatest leaders, and, and some, of the, some of the people that you didn't even mention, the Ryan Vogel songs, the Jeremy Athelts, the Javi Lopez. Javi Lopez is one of the greatest communicators I've ever played with. The man won four World Series championships, three with the Giants, one with the Red Sox. Uh, it was just a collective mindset of leadership, baseball mastery, but also very electric personalities. Brian Wilson, I don't even, I don't even know, know how to begin to fathom what he was thinking about, but it was one of the most creative humans, one of the most forward-thinking humans I'd ever played with. Uh, I remember him one time telling me, every breath that I take, every cell of my body is a World Series champion. And just that thought alone was, it was like talking about the hemoglobin. I don't even, <laughs> I didn't quite, I wasn't quite on his level, but it was really, really interesting for sure. I have some stories to tell. That, that is so interesting what you just said about him, because I was going to say to you, never mind teammate, have you ever come across another human being like Brian Wilson? And that's how you described him, like like this guy is a human being. I mean, I know you have stories to tell. Give me one story about Brian Wilson. What's your favorite Brian Wilson story that you can tell? Um, man, it's like it was just like if you were walking or like I, I got one day to like walk around the mall and it's like he would just collect like it would be like a swarm of people would just start following him and he would just keep walking and it was almost like you know you think of the religious religious text of like you know Jesus walking down the street and then just swarms of people start following him and he just handled it like there was no one following him like we're going into Foot Locker buying a pair of shoes or something and yeah here's a, here's a just People that don't even know him just follow him. He just had that powerful of a vibe that people were just drawn to him. And I don't remember the exact stories, but it was legit, like, stand-up comedy 24-7. Uh, I also remember one day he, he got, like, a pack of shoes, like uh, a shipment of shoes, and he was freaking out about how happy he was. He had, like, $10,000 worth of shoes delivered, and, like, these shoes had wings on them and, like, lights. And this was before all of the new crazy shoe stuff was happening. So he was just... Really, really forward-thinking, insanely stylish, and and just commanded a, his presence just commanded attention, and uh, it was it was it was definitely uh, intense to be around, but really funny. He was like the Pied Piper. I know what you're talking about because I can remember like I've done TV shows for years and years and years, and I know what it's like when guys walk in the room, and I can't think of another guy who had that kind of presence walking into a room that Brian Wilson did in his prime, because you never knew exactly what you were going to get. We had some wild interviews. Now, when you talk about different thinkers, you know, I got to say, I've always said this, Hunter, I don't, I can't afford to play favorites, but one of my favorites ever in Major League Baseball is Barry Zito. 
I love Barry Zito. What do you make of him? Or what did you make of him as a teammate, a personality, and really, you know, a free spirit? Yeah, he was, um, he was, he was actually an incredibly, like, sweet human. Right. Like, he was, like, so nice. He, gave, he was, like, a big gift giver. Uh, very quiet and standoffish a little, uh, a, a little bit. But, like, had your back 100%. Like, if he came out with you... It was like you were down, like it was going to be a, like one of those nights that you, like from the hangover or something, like you don't, <laughs> you have no idea what, what he's going to do because he's just, he's never thinking what you think he's thinking. It's always like some out, out of the box thought or, or whatever the case may be. But as far as teammate, you know, he was the Zen master. I remember asking him why he was number 75 and he was like, well, I was thinking of my name and I was like, started putting all the numbers and I wanted to have a number that looked good with the name Zito and just 75 and my name just went on top of it just perfectly. And I was just like, what? Like <laughs> you were like, you wanted the aesthetics to like match your name. And, wow. and I was kind of like, yeah, it kind of does. The seven and the five kind of give you a nice little line, like where your name pops up just perfectly. That is funny. That's really funny. Not surprising. Now, the thing is, like, pretty much every pro athlete I know wants to see how they're going to do on the biggest stage. You had one of the best individual World Series ever in 2014 when you hit 444 and you had 12 hits. You knocked in five runs. You led the Giants to a World Championship. What do you remember most about that series? And then what was it like to play your best when it mattered most on the biggest stage? You know, um, once again, back to the think and grow rich. Like, I, I legit meditated on that 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes at night, being a champion. I didn't know how, didn't know when, didn't know where. And, you know, I just, I just the main things that I remember is, is, is like, Santiago Casilla, um, you know, talking about how, like, you know, the Council of Elders, like, nobody's going to believe it for us. Jake Peavy, you know, like, anything the mind can conceive in the, you know, the mind can believe in the heart or the, the mind can conceive and the heart believe you can achieve. Like, so like we were all about like a collective vision of how do you see yourself and like that deep, deep, deep will. And I mean, obviously, you know, Madison Bumgarner, you, you, like what he did coming in in that game seven against Kansas city. Uh, and also like the Travis Isakawa walk off home run to go to the world series where, literally pandemonium it felt like the world was shaking the, the stadium was going so crazy so there was just so many memories but i just remember being super focused like hyper focused and hyper free like i i saw one time lebron talked about feeling nothing like the the, the magnitude of the world series meant nothing to me i only saw like i was just in such a zone that the two months or the month of the playoffs felt like a year's worth of time because i was just non-stop thinking from the second i woke up to the second i, I went to sleep I love this team. I love this game. We're going to win today. That was it. Did you know that a fire department responds to a fire every 24 seconds? Well, October is Fire Prevention Month, and we have teamed up with First Alert, the most trusted brand in fire safety, to help you be prepared for the unexpected and to review some key safety tips. As an example, smoke and carbon monoxide alarms help provide an early warning in the event of a home emergency. And having enough first alert smoke and carbon monoxide alarms is one of the best things that you can do for your home and your family. So you want to install alarms on every level and in every bedroom of your home. Once these alarms are installed, it is important to maintain them by testing them with regularity. My favorite is First Alert's combination smoke and carbon monoxide alarm with a 10-year seal battery. The alarm provides two-in-one -one protection against both smoke and carbon monoxide, and I don't need to sweat changing that battery for a decade. 
Also, while spending extra time at home, and if you're cooking more, it is important to have a fire extinguisher within reach and know how to use it. For more information on fire safety products, safety tips, and educational activities that you can do at home with your family, visit firstalert.com slash month. Once again, firstalert.com slash month. So you're in this flow state. Everybody tries to get into the flow state. And I think you can learn to get into that state. But if you want it that badly, it would seem like you couldn't get into it. Like, how were you able to get into that state or that zone and then maintain it so long? How did, like, what's, how did you do that physically or mentally or emotionally? How do you do that? What does that involve? You know, it was, it, and I talked a little bit about this with uh, some of the Red Sox Red Sox staff last year at the All-Star Game, we were talking about the sole power that it takes to win a World Series and how you have to like depth, like d- dig to the depths of every fiber of your soul. And, and for me, it was a thought momentum that started from the day the season ended the year before. And I was just like, I was so upset with like how it ended in 2013. And I was just like, no one can stop how much I think this. And I, and I literally was like, I'm going to think it every morning, every night, from this day forward, that I'm a World Series champion. I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know where, but I'm going to think it, and I'm going to be it, and I'm going to believe it, and I'm going to not let any doubt ever outweigh my belief. No matter what anyone says, like, we're not good enough. Like, I do remember there might have been, like, they questioned Sabian on, like, why didn't you trade for anybody? And he's like, I don't know if we're good enough. And I think that that was actually genius of him to say that to the media, and I think that he did it intentionally because this was a very brilliant man, um, I think he said it to light a fire under us, and it did. And we were like, you don't think we're good enough? We're going to do this anyway. Um, it was just like that soul power of like thought momentum, not, not quitting. Everyone, like, what do you speak? What are your words? How do we talk about ourselves? And we just had those guys that understood that, that Javi Lopez that was like, hey, you're the best out there. You, like all day, every day, it was just like, what can we do to get better? Maybe we lost this game. Nobody believes in us. We're up against the wall but like we can win it all kind of thing. So I think it was just like things just start to align up when you align yourself and, and you build a thought momentum and a belief momentum from a long time. You can't just do it like, oh, I'm going to do it today and it hasn't happened yet like a week from now or oh, I'm going to do it today and it hasn't happened a month from now. You have to want it and feel it and be it so bad that you're willing to do it for years and years and years. And if nothing comes your way, it's so unconditional that you don't care. You get up the next day and do it again. That's amazing. I mean, it's so powerful. It's so strong. I can feel it coming through the phone. And then how powerful would it be if you had 24 other guys who felt the same way and thought the same way and approached it the same way? And, and we, we had that. Like Ryan Vogelsong told me that when he was driving, he was gripping the steering wheel and flexing his abs so they could give it, be getting stronger while he was driving, like if he had to be stuck in a car. Like, like Vogelsong brought such an energy. They talked about how he wouldn't talk two days before he started. And this guy, in seven playoff games, we didn't lose a single one. Because what do you think the respect of everyone that's around you has for when you start, when you won't say a single word before you take the mound? And Tim Hudson, i got to share this story with you, one of the ultimate leaders, the ultimate leaders. When he came over in 2014, we kinda, there was kind of like this thing where, like, you know, with the Giants, we didn't score much runs. We were like the torture baseball. We, we played really good defense, and we pitched really well. And we were, like, in the fifth inning, and, and Hudson gives up a squibber and, a, you know, a pass ball, and someone gets a hit, and they score a run. And I remember him slamming his glove, like, ugh. My bad, guys, pick me up. And we're like, in the fifth inning, he gave up one run on like some kind of cheese stuff. And that energy fueled you. We're like, no, we like us pick you up. 
Like, you're picking us up. And, like, that literally, like, led all of the staff, not only because Vogelsong lived that, was that, Kane was that. It just kind of showed the message of everyone, we're in it for each other. We're not in it for ourselves. And um, it was just, yeah, it was really special time and really special people that were on in, in the middle of that run. Huddy, that's a great story. And Hunter, you mentioned, like, I could run down every one of these guys. You're right. It was such a unique crew. You mentioned Jake Peavy, another one of my favorites. Like, if you could bottle, you can't even explain what this guy's about. His toughness, man, his ferocity. Dude, this guy's pitching like his lat came off his bone. Like, this injury isn't even a thing, and he's, like, still going. How would you describe Jake Peavy and what he brought to it? And this guy's grit and courage. I mean, incredible leader. Um, I got to say, like, this, this story will, will probably sum it up. And he said, Hunter, I grab the baseball, I write F-U on it, and I throw it through the hitter's soul. Every That's time. so good. <laughs> I mean, That's the best. You talk about deep. And this guy would be like, if he wasn't pitching, he was like, you know, last night I was at the prison and I was talking to these guys and I was singing the music. Um, the, the guy just had, like, love of humanity charity on his mind, and then the ultimate warrior on the field. Um, just a truly great leader. I remember him just screaming, like, if this plane lands, like, Pittsburgh screwed, like, just anything that could rally the momentum and the energy. And, the, and like, because, like, you know, obviously you hit, like, the turbulence and teams get all scared or whatever, and Peavy was all scared, and he's like, I, he's like, I guarantee you if this plane lands, Pittsburgh screwed. And, the, and, and it just, like, got us all laughing, and we – we started screaming that the rest of the way, like until the end of my career. But uh, he started just just the randomest things, and he was just a, a sweet soul that came out there and went crazy for one day out of five. Amazing. So, Hunter, like I grew up in Los Angeles, and I grew up an enormous Dodger fan and a big sports fan. And I'll be honest, like because I'm older, back in the day, it's not the way it is now. There was no social media. There was no Internet. There were no cell phones. We weren't connected that way. So even though I grew up in Los Angeles and I loved a new sports cold, I didn't really know the way it was between Northern California and Southern California. I didn't really know how much Giant fans hated Dodger fans or how much the Bay Area hated Southern California. I didn't know this until I went to college at UC Santa Barbara and I met a bunch of kids from the Bay Area. It's almost like they're born and bred to hate L.A. Like it's taught in the curriculum. Like they were brought up on the dinner table learning to hate L.A. Can you explain the nature and the level of animosity that Giants fans and the Bay Area have towards Dodger fans in all of Southern California for those who are not living it or in the middle of it? Yeah, I had no idea about it either until I came over and started getting, you know, interviews and stuff. And I think we were kind of in the prime height of that, like really intense rivalry um, when I, when I first got there and I did not realize, like I wore like a blue shirt and got torn up on social media. And I think social media has like really raised our, our consciousness as a whole. You know, you can follow all sorts of great minds and great thinkers. And it's really, it's on you now in the information age, like what you know and what you don't know, because it's all out there. But at this time it was like, we hadn't really figured all of that out yet. And just wearing a blue shirt, I just got, like, I, I, so all of my blue shirts, gone. Don't ever wear blue. Um, you know, people are, like, punching each other, fighting each other, killing each other, sadly, at this time. And it was just that, and, and like, you felt that energy on the field. Like, when we played the Dodgers, it was, like, it was an elevated, elevated, like, game. And it was intense, and it was, like, your livelihood and your, your reputation was on the line. So, like, we were all all in when that series came up. And I mean, during those times, you know, the Dodgers and the Giants, we were kind of the one and two. 
And a lot of times we had leads on them and we lost it. But through the most part, we were about 500 with them all the years, the eight years that I was with the Giants. Maybe a little bit above, I think. But it was every one of those matchups was super intense. And the Dodgers teams were just absolutely stacked that whole time. It's been incredible the level of success that they've had. They have. And I'm going to ask you before I let you go, I'll ask you about the postseason this year because I do want to get your thoughts about baseball in the uh, COVID era. But let me ask you this. You grew up in Texas. And when you were in high school, you actually switched from outfield to shortstop your senior year. Money was tight at that time. What did you do when you had to get a new glove? <laughs> you know, uh, I think um, I, I lost a glove. And my dad, you know, obviously money was tight. He had bought a few shirts, like he had gone on a trip to uh, New York, and he would get like a lot of the stuff that was, you know, the, the, the stuff that was on the sides of the streets that you could get for a good cheap price, and he would bring it back, and he would try to sell them back in Texas to whoever wanted them. And so he traded a, uh, a couple sweatshirts to uh, my good friend now, Chris Gay, who, run, who ran coverall bases for a long time, uh, cancer survivor, just ultimate great human. And, and he didn't really want the sweaters, but he knew that it was a young kid that needed a glove. He didn't know who I was. And he was like, sure, I'll take a couple of these sweaters and I'll give you a glove. Uh, so, yeah, that, that helped me out big time. I had a couple people buy me bats when I was a kid. I would knock on doors asking for donations to go to tournaments. Um, I definitely I was selling plants. I was selling candy bars. I was that kid that uh, was doing that. So, remember, if you see these kids out there doing that, uh, you don't know if you're, like, changing someone's life forever by buying a candy bar. It definitely helped me out. So. I have to give a big thanks to the Texas community because there was no way we could have afforded playing baseball if it wasn't for those generous people uh, joining those those different <laughs> things. But Chris Gay and Coverall Bases, absolutely amazing, and it, it definitely changed the course of my history as well. Boy, that's a great story. I mean, Hunter, the thing is so different right now. You were talking about how you reinvented your swing. Like, as an example, it used to be way back in the day, you know, not to go old man on you, but like see ball, hit ball. I took my son who's a sophomore in high school for a hitting eval the other day dude like he had maybe 60 swings about half off a tee half off live pitching you know a bat a sensor here a sensor there we go into a back room they fire up a laptop and literally every analytic and every metric every stat everything you could possibly want were right there like what kind of fucking world is this? It's crazy. Like Dude, this the would... biomechanics is like we're maximizing, and and the, the technology is just insane. And and it's 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 absolutely nuts. I think that you know people are saying the baseball is juiced, but the the science and the study of pitching and baseball is all getting mastered right now because everyone's so smart. The information's out there, Jim. When we were kids, there was no MLB network. There was no YouTube. You had no access to the greatest mind. So every one of the greatest minds that are thinking about all these games, it, it, you need the edge, and the edge is in the margins. It's in the details. It's in the tiniest thing. If you cast just a little bit, you lose tons of power. So, yeah, it, it, we're in a different world, and, and mastery is happening. It's really great. All right, so really quickly, nobody knows the NL West better than you, and to think that the Dodgers and Padres had never played in the postseason really is something, especially when you look at that Padre lineup right now and how electric they are. Unfortunately, Mike Clevenger goes out in the second inning, but aside from that, and again, it's a totally different dynamic and a different series, how do you think that series plays out? And somebody who spent as much time in the NL West as you did, what do you think when you see those two teams getting after it? Well, I mean, you just – the Dodgers are complete, absolutely complete. Their lineup can hit. They can play defense. They're deep. Starting pitching, just, just power arm, power arm, power arm. Bullpen, power arm, power arm, power arm. The Padres are electric. They got 
incredible offense all the way up and down. Their lineup is stacked. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough to say that, like, you're better than the Dodgers, but if I'm given an offensive advantage, I'm likely giving the offensive advantage to the Padres. But in the end, it's pitching that wins, and it's going to come down to pitching and defense. Um, the Padres have the bullpen. Bullpens are both stacked, but starting pitching is what they need. They needed Clevenger and they needed Lamette. Those two guys being down, uh, I think, is just a dagger that's going to be tough to overcome. Now, we're talking baseball where anything can happen. There are no guarantees. But like I said, the Dodgers are the most stacked, the most well-balanced. Um, they're going to be tough to beat. The Padres could do it. They're going to need some big performances from Davies. They're going to need some big performances from Padak. And uh, if those two guys can, can really step it up and hand it over, like you saw, the bullpen kind of kept them in the game for the most part. They have the bullpen to do it, but they're going to need some starters to step up. That's the only way. The Dodgers are by far the favorite. Uh, but it, it, it is possible, and it's not a long, long, long shot. Hey, listen, are you craving some protein after a good workout? Don't make a shake or eat a bar. Instead, grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Why? Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty. It's tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef very seriously. You can taste it in every single bite. Like, who wants dried out, tough beef in a bag? (laughs) Nobody. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper, though, is the real deal. It comes in four amazing flavors. Old Fashioned, which is sweetened with a touch of brown sugar goodness, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy for those of you who want to shake things up. Next time you want to grab a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Be sure to look for Old Trapper. It's in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, clones, ask for it by name because no other beef jerky he compares old trapper what's your beef what about the astros because you were drafted there you spent the first four and a half years of your career there i'm curious like how do you feel about the organization now especially after the sign stealing scandal from 2017 because obviously you got a whole grip of current mlbers and most fans outside of h-town that are not happy with them like what do you make of carlos correa breaking out his gas can when they beat the twins and then cc sabathia of all people clapping back on him the way he did you know I'm not, I'm not a guy that comes out and is like a big assumer. Um, I'm not one that also, I'm also a big forgiver. So like during those times that the Astros were doing that, doing that stuff, that information was out to every team. And let's just say that we're not sure about of any team. You got to be suspicious of every team during that time. They just got caught because someone came out and said something. And it seems like they were just mastering it. They did it extremely well. So yeah, it, that sucks, and, it, and there's a lot of implications, and I'm not happy about it because you cost people jobs, you know? Like, I had a pitcher last year who gave up, like, 10 runs over there, and he had, like, a three or so ERA, and he lost his job because of it. Do we know if they were cheating or not? No, I'm not one to assume. Uh, I think that popping off after winning the first series, that does, that's not a good look, Correa, and I'm not rooting against him or for him. I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle. But my opinion is humility and grace always wins. If you want to pop off, wait till you win the World Series and be like, look, we were that good. You're making too much of this. All the teams were doing the same thing. Because it's very possible that any of those teams were doing the same thing. Now, this to me, like to pop off early is tough because if you were doing that cheating, you cost a lot of people a lot of money and you might have cost them their jobs. You've got to remember that. So I just wish for an apology, like give us a, a fair shot this year. If you continue on, you win the World Series. We need to all tip our hats to the Astros and say, you know what? 
where you're forgiven, you earned it, you guys were good, you had great pitching, because I don't think people remember how good their pitching was in those years. And uh, it, was, it was absolutely incredible. So I'm not happy with Correa popping off, but I'm not like kill the Astros like trash cans because I do think a lot of teams were doing suspicious things during those times. Um, I don't want to assume too much. I wasn't involved in the investigations. I want to enjoy some good baseball, and they're playing good baseball in the right time. Um, but if they don't win the World Series and Correa popped off, it's going to really come back at them hard, and I don't want that to happen to anyone. I don't want hatred to be what we all feed off of. And I know sports and, and conflict, and you cost people money, but I'm a forgiver. I'm a lover. Let's play some baseball, and there's some great baseball going on right now. I don't think the A's are done. I don't think they're out of it. And there's a long way to go for the Astros to really, re, you know, really prove that they were the best team in 17. If they win it this year, they can say what they want, and we all have to be like, you know what, you're right. You know, there is a lot of baseball. Great baseball is still being played. But, man, it's so strange, right? Like, because everything is. Like, what do you think when you see baseball bubbled up right now and you see these last rounds at neutral fields? For instance, how weird is it to see the Yankees and Rays playing postseason games 3,000 miles away from their stadiums with no true home team and no fans? Yeah, I mean, 2020 is just like, this is a historic year. It's stuff we've never seen. Uh, I don't, you know, it's, it, it is kind of sad to see those teams not playing home games. Like, I don't, like, yeah, the empty stadiums, we've all accepted that. Um, but it's just, there's something classic about creating history. Because playoffs is baseball history. This is the epitome of greatness. And to watch, you know, Yankees guys or whoever's going to be in the Rays people, whoever's making this history, you want to see those images in their home stadiums. Um, I'm not exactly sure why. I mean, it's just... COVID, we all have to make sacrifices. So that's unique. I think that there is something special about the rawness, um, the rawness of like, how much do you really love baseball? How much are you about the hype? Because there's an emotional feeling that you get with fans there. So it creates this whole new element of like focus of, of, of just raw baseball talent. And guess what? Everyone who wants to watch the baseball game is watching it on TV. So there's still a huge audience. We definitely miss the fans, but I do think that there's an X factor that made this season extra special to watch. Really cool. I think that it was fantastic, and the excitement of like all of the divisions only playing themselves and then coming together in a playoff series because you want to see who's better between East and West and Central. And after the this round, the next round is going to be really exciting because it seems like the West and the East were obviously better because all of the Central got eliminated. Seven teams of the sixteen made it to the to the playoffs in the Central every one of which was eliminated. So when the winners of these East and West series come together to play, it's going to be electric. It's going to be exciting as a purist, a baseball purist. And I think that this season has so many special gifts to give, but it also takes away some of that essence of like the joy of seeing, you know, the Yankees hit their homers at Yankee stadium and the Dodgers playing at Dodger stadium with the fans. So, there's good and bad, just like everything in life. So, Hunter, really quickly, like, as somebody who's got a couple of rings and you laid out during this conversation, I mean, the, the thought that went into it, the obsession you had, the mission you were on to become a world champion, when you look at this season, what do you think about whoever wins it all? Is there an asterisk? Is it just different? Do you think any less of it? Would a championship this year mean any less than the two you won? How would you characterize it? Man, I'm giving full credit to whoever wins because this was a difficult, difficult year. Um, you, you can't, like, you have to be, you have to battle through uh, a wild 60-game season and then a longer, crazy playoffs with all sorts of twists and turns and changes. So mentally, this, to, like, stay on top of everything 
um, to figure out a whole new system, you have to get really creative with like how you're going to do your practices, how you're going to do the second spring training. I think there's, there's just as much credit. You have to be the best in the world to win in, in these circumstances. These are the circumstances of 2020. Yeah, it's not a 162-game season, but this was the circumstances. Go be the best at it. And that's what competition and that's what sport is all about. Um, so I'm giving full credit. I'm not one to like, oh, you can't credit this season because it was only so-and-so. No, you still had to earn it. You had to go and get it, and these were the circumstances. Figure it out. I love it. I'm with it. Let's go. Good. I love that. All right, so finally, you've always known that there was a ton of life before baseball. There's a ton of life after baseball. You've always been about the journey. Where does the journey take you next? You know, um, I, I don't have a direct A. Right now, I'm full in on just, streaming on Twitch, playing, playing video games, and, and doing content. I'm looking forward to maybe broadcasting Talking Baseball because I think I have a wealth of baseball knowledge and hopefully maybe advising or being a part of, uh, of baseball in the future as well as Perfect Game Broadcasting, which is youth baseball. So I love youth baseball. I have a wealth of baseball knowledge. I want to share it. I want to speak it. I love talking it. I love watching it. So I always, the whole, my whole career, I was a baseball fan and a player. So we'll see where the future goes. And, uh, uh, I'm going to take a little time to make sure I pick the correct plan A, and I'm going all in, Jim. Yeah, you and you and Lex are having a great time creating content together, right? Leave me with that thought. What's that like? So yes, yeah, so we've done we've been doing content for a long time. Let's get Lexi was her YouTube channel that showed kind of our behind the scenes life of the baseball world. She's now created Pineapple Labs, which is doing different coffees with coffee mugs, and they're going to good causes. And she's she's also building up kind of all of the things that she loves in this pineapple lab. So go to the pineapple try out some of her coffees. She's doing really unique mugs as well. It's great coffee. It's a great mug and it's going to different uh, charities every month so far. And um, yeah, that's just been it. My content is just, you know, magic, the gathering uh, nerd culture among us, which is a super fun game, Jim, if you ever get a chance. Um, interesting to check out. It's definitely drama filled. It's basically mafia. There's two killers. There's eight crewmates. Uh, and that's that. I love it. Awesome stuff, Hunter. I know, especially at this time, one, because you announced your retirement, I had to touch base with you. But, man, that's the kind of energy and content and perspective and attitude that we all need. Congratulations, man, on an amazing career. I know you're only getting started. And so good to get caught up with you, man. I really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you, Jim. Great to be on your show. All the best. And I really appreciate you bringing me back for one final run. <laughs> Hey, listen, are you craving some protein after a good workout? Don't make a shake or eat a bar. Instead, grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Why? Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty. It's tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef very seriously. You can taste it in every single bite. Like, who wants dried out tough beef in a bag (laughs) nobody it's like eating a shoe old trapper though is the real deal it comes in four amazing flavors old-fashioned which is sweetened with a touch of brown sugar goodness teriyaki peppered and hot and spicy for those of you who want to shake things up next time you want to grab a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime anywhere grab some old trapper beef jerky be sure to look for old trapper it's in the Clearview bag that way you can see the quality you're buying look for it in major retail stores near you if you don't see it clones ask for it by name because no other beef jerky compares old trapper 
What's your beef? Enormous thanks to Hunter Pence for the time and the conversation. I enjoyed that very much. I hope you did as well. And if you're looking for even more great conversations, make sure to take a deep dive on any of the previous 145 episodes that we've already got locked and loaded in the library. They're all evergreen. They're all good. They all work. Also, get subscribed right now if you would. That way you don't miss a future installment. We do them every single Wednesday. I appreciate the support, and I'll be right back at it again in seven days. Until then, here are your voicemails. First new message. What's up, Rome? It's Dr. Dave. It's great that you said that we don't want to hear politics from the clones. Does that mean that we don't have to hear any more phone calls from Jeff and Richmond and Vic and NoCal and Sarah T? That would be great. On the brighter side, Rex saying that you don't want to hear about his ruptured polyps. A good thing is you still need to get your colonoscopy, so please, people, do that and get your damn flu shot. Later. Message saved. Next message. Hey, Jim. Sorry it's not Dr. Dave. I just had to call because I love, absolutely love, when the fucking patsies fucking lose. In the press conference postgame, cheater chick Bella Bitch was asked, well, what about the out-of-bounds play? And the refs, his reply, you go ask the refs. I didn't know refs' responses were post-game press conference fodder. We're on a Cincinnati. We're on a Cincinnati. I'm a cheater. I'm a jack-off. We're on a Cincinnati. Message deleted. Next message. Jim, then South Bend. I'm behind the Taco Bell drive-thru behind Charlie White, so it's going to be a while. So I got some time. So, hey. I was watching the Colts play Chicago. Notice I didn't say Chicago Bears because I don't know if they were playing the Chicago Bears or the Chicago Broncos. What's up with them orange jerseys? Stick to Navy, Bears. Stick to Navy. Peace out, clones. Mask it or cast it. Message saved. Next message. Romy, Justin from Melbourne, dude. I am so digging this Peloton, man. I have never been so motivated in my life, man. I mean, who can't get motivated on this thing, dude? All it is is good-looking ladies screaming at you to get you motivated. I'm loving it. Message saved. Next message. Romy, what's going on? It's Matt in Palmer, Alaska. I just listened to the Mad Dog podcast. I mean, the way he spoke so candidly, you could feel the honesty. You know, not a negative thing to say about anybody. We've had a lot of great podcasts, and uh, that one's definitely up there. His openness about his experiences with Kobe, Black Lives Matter movement with his teammates and getting everybody registered to vote. Uh, Steve Smith is going RVing and likes to hike. Fly yourself up to Alaska, bring the family, rent an RV, and hike up here, man. It's the mecca of hiking. Romy, I'm out. Message saved. Next message. What's up, Vance Max? This is Matt and Pismo. I really think Tony Romo needs to go ahead and uh, hang up his freaking cleats again. If he doesn't have enough balls to call out the damn referees when Patrick Mahomes pops like a jellyfish flying out of bounds, when somebody freaking barely touched his shoulder. And let's go to Gene Sturator on this one. Seriously, I hate the Patriots. I don't like the Kansas City Chiefs either. I like the Colts. But, my God. Freaking have a backbone there, Romo. Go ahead and say you disagree. Not, I'm going to bite my tongue on this one for the benefit of the league. Yeah, get your paycheck and go home. Message saved. Next message. So when the baseball season first started, I called out Donnie Balsack, the Miami Marlins, and the Cardinals because of their COVID outbreaks. Now they're in the playoffs, so I want to take a second to apologize to absolutely no one. You guys are still 
some garbage-ass organizations that are there instead of people because you got a week-long layoff on this COVID thing. Now, you Houston asshole fans like Slurome in Houston, that kook, you guys should be taking a shower when you watch these playoff games because those cheaters are a bunch of bastards, inglorious bastards. Outro. Message saved. You have no more messages.